We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. Uh, I don't even know. Somber, horrible. Just it's bad. It's not good, guys. Like, uh, I'm just sad. How are you guys doing? I'm Steve, Sarah, Dusty. You guys know the drill. What's going on, Sarah? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Well, I don't know how I follow that. I mean, that took a turn so quickly. I try to be positive, but dude, they lost the NFC Championship game. It sucks. I know. It it, it does. It sucks. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't sad and disappointed. But, I mean, it's in the past. So as much as I, you know, want to look back on it and it kind of haunts me a bit, I'm like, what can I do except, you know, put it behind me and start to look forward already to the next season and everything – that's to come and what's going to be a really crazy off season. But, you know, despite that, I think it was a really special year. And this is going to be one that I think all of us will always remember. And I really enjoyed it in the team and just the team camaraderie that they had was spectacular. And Rogers on McAfee every week was awesome. And this one, you know, even though they didn't make it to the end and they didn't get a shot at the Super Bowl, it, it's still going to be a special and really memorable one. I think when I look back on it years from now. Yeah, pretty much echo all that. I know I'm, I'm definitely doing better than Steve. Well, yeah, I know that for sure because that was very dour. Um, I mean, I've, I think my I've been you know writing about football for the past seven or eight years at this point. And so at this point, 
the 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 kind of the writing about it like i kind of i live in the moment for the game i go through all that and then by the next day i'm kind of in i'm in writing mode i'm ready to kind of break it down a little bit and then the the looking at like looking at it from a different angle like you know literally from a different angle you're looking at from the high up camera and looking at it from that perspective it's almost like therapy to me. Like I, I can, I kind of work through it and it's, it doesn't really hurt too much. The pain, I think I've, I've killed it along the way or, um, or I've just found a way to deal with it, I guess. So it, uh, yeah, it sucks losing an NFC championship game, but yeah, overall I'm doing all right, man. I'm actually doing okay as well. I just was trying to reflect the state of Packers Twitter. Don't do that. And don't. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize profusely to everyone listening. That's. Uh, I will. I will no longer try to do that. It's just. It's been a. Um. I don't even know how to describe how people are reacting on Twitter. It's just been insanity. Um. Yeah. There's been a lot of stuff going on. So. Let's just uh, let's do a, a little dive in and see how you guys felt about the game. I mean, I know Sarah, you had your article. Dusty, you write your you you guys write your both of you guys write your articles. So, Sarah, let's start with you. How did the the game recap for Cheesehead go? Um, how was <laughs> how were people feeling? Oh, I mean, people were just so happy that they lost. I mean, they were everyone <laughs> was just so excited the season was over and reacted totally reasonably. No, rightfully so. Everyone was pissed. Um, and similar to Dusty, kind of writing that game recap, um, it took me longer than usual because it, it was therapeutic in a way. I was like looking back and you know quickly reflecting on some of my thoughts and some of what went wrong. And I think that's why now I feel better than I did like right when the game was over. Because I was able to look and reflect and kind of pinpoint here's what went wrong, here's what went right. Um, and this is why they didn't ultimately win the game. But the game itself was a roller coaster. Um, did not feel good at halftime at all. I was like, oh, great. It's just a repeat of last year's NFC Championship game. And then the comeback was on. I really thought we were trending in the direction of a breakdown from me again. Um, and we were just very close to that. And ultimately, the Packers beat themselves. I mean, Jari or Alexander had two picks in a row on back-to-back drives, and the Packers went three and out both times defense had mistakes of their own um i know kevin king had a rough day and he made some glaring errors that led to points for the bucks and special teams didn't help either so you know in all three phases of the game they struggled there was moments where they shine where rogers looked really well really great and in the run game they kind of steered away from that when i think the packers play their best football when they're playing balanced football when they're passing and running the ball but they went really pass heavy and it didn't work and you know at the end there it seemed like especially when they were going three and out it seemed like they were just forcing passes and they could have stuck to their game plan a little more so yeah the calls at the end were or the call at the end was obviously awful but there were a lot of other things that led to that situation yes it was entirely frustrating and i tweeted it wasn't necessarily the call that people were mad about but it was the inconsistency of it. You know, they let him play all day long. We saw it earlier with Lazard that there was a similar jersey tug, and it happened later in the game, and unfortunately it came at the worst time possible for the Packers. So overall, I mean, there were moments where they looked okay. There were moments where it was like, what the hell are they doing? And in the end of the day, you have to be on as much as you can in the NFC Championship game, and they were, I think they were just off more than they were on at times. Yeah, I mean, I got done. You know, I kind of have a push. My my timeline is a little different than Sarah. I got to wait. I'm waiting until the film comes out, which usually drops the next day, and so timeline's a little different. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, you know, there's still still obviously some questions about some play calling and all of that stuff. But I mean, they they, they did some did some fun things on offense. You know, I, I tend to, to stay on the offensive side of the ball. I know some of the pressure stuff that they brought was a lot of fun. The um, one of the things I wrote about. Uh, that's going to be up today was that that second Jair interception that was uh, the pressure off of Darnell Savage and kind of a really nice uh, pressure scheme off from uh, from Petten to kind of play with the protection rules from the offensive line there. So, I mean, I, I, we're, we're going to answer some questions in a bit about Mike Petten, and I know that's something a lot of people – uh, you know, have issues with, and I don't, I don't blame them for any of that. But the the man can still draw up some pretty nice pressure, and so kind of, you know, seeing some of that stuff, the defense certainly did. I mean, you know, the, again, there's a whole lot of uh, I think before the game, uh, a whole lot of kind of, well, you know, this run defense, and and you know, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, they didn't let him run over him. Um, you know, they they held Brady down relatively. I mean, they had success on third downs and second half. He kind of, you know, he did next to nothing and it was like Sarah said the offense just kind of beat themselves through play calling through a couple things here and there but I mean it was you know uh, you know not not the funnest game but also you know some fun stuff to look back on from it as well so that's that's what I'm looking at I guess yeah it was eerily similar to like the Colts game where it was just multiple yeah. times shooting themselves in the foot and just not enough to overcome come overcome the you know everything that they did and the fumbles and every and all that kind of stuff the interception so it was obviously frustrating it was pretty much opposite of what most Packer games had been where the, you know first second quarter they're lights out third quarter they let the team back in fourth quarter they close the door it was kind of very very different from from what's going on and uh, you see a lot of the a lot of hate for Matt Lafleur and his play calling and. I thought that got way overblown of trying to, you know, getting the points and then trying to get the ball back and give Aaron Rodgers another shot with the ball in his hand to score a touchdown to win the game. Like, I don't know. Hey, you're telling me that the odds are going to be that much better to go for, like, score a touchdown on fourth down, get the two-point conversion uh, where it's tied, and then Tom Brady has the ball with a minute 50 left. And you're telling me he can't go down and get that field goal? So, that was one of my bigger takeaways. It was obviously frustrating. No fun for anybody as a Packers fan, but uh, we're going to be moving on. We're moving on to 2021 offseason. And as we are recording this, there is a new fascinating article that just broke on SI.com. And while Dusty and Sarah were talking, I was able to read it. And so it's from Bill Huber. And potentially the cap situation might not be as bad as first thought. Uh, so this is a direct quote from his article on SI.com. Multiple agents told Packers Central that they expect the owners and players union to agree to borrow against future caps to, quote, smooth over the difference between the potential for dramatically decreased cap in 2021 and dramatically increased caps in the future. Nothing is official and nothing is guaranteed, they caution. But their belief wasn't mere wishing and hoping. And one other quote I saw, it said, if I'm Jerry Jones, there's no way I'm going to cut a number of veterans to get below the cap, knowing it's going to go up once all the new money shows up, one agent said. So, you know, that'll be a really fascinating situation to watch because right now the Packers are projected to be 30 mil over the cap but if all of a sudden they are not and they can restructure and there all of a sudden is some cap space to sign Aaron Jones um, to bring Corey Lindsley back like maybe one of those guys um, I I have a feeling Kevin King probably won't get it 
come back after this last game, but you never know. I mean, it was one bad game for sure, but uh, that'll be a really fascinating story to watch. So uh, gut reactions from you guys, Sarah. How uh, I mean, this is exciting stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, especially for the Saints. They're really excited right now. But <laughs> <laughs> Instead of $95 million, now they're going to be like $65 million over the cap. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah, they're like only less millions of dollars to make up for. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, this is exciting. I think this really gives me a lot of hope and about Aaron Jones specifically just because that was the one where I'm like, this is hard to let go. Like, I love Aaron Jones. I think he's a great human being. He's obviously – a great athlete and he has he's had such an impact on this team over the past few years so we know that there was a deal and that he turned it down because there wasn't enough guaranteed money um but hey if they have more than they thought and they can restructure things i think aaron jones is obviously one of their top priorities and it gives me a little more hope you know if you asked me a couple weeks ago it was absolutely not no that's not happening but now i'm like hmm okay maybe they can work something out yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, that that story, you know, like we said, there's nothing nothing official yet, but it is it is called from sources and stuff, and kind of talking to people. And just if you read, kind of the thought process behind it, and and again, a lot of that stuff has come from sources. It makes a lot of sense. So that would make, I mean, yeah, like we said, we've been it's been uh, all season been doom and gloom over. I mean, not just Jones and Lindsley, but like. You know, he's he played better during the last half of the season. He'd done some good stuff, but it was it was kind of a given. Well, Preston Smith's not coming back, and maybe he won't be. But like, if with with that, even if it stays steady or just increases slightly, that's way better than dropping ten to twenty million, as was kind of thought. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's a groundbreaking take. More money is better than less money. There, that's what, what? I've got. Yeah, I know. I, the, economics one hundred and one. There's a, there's a lesson for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mind mind blowing. Right we, we charge for this podcast because I feel like that was pretty good. I feel like that was some good advice right there. I just gave. No, I mean, I bet people would pay like a nickel per episode. More money. Oh, better than I think that'd be money. fair. Yeah. Uh-huh. Better than no money. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, let's talk. Uh, when, when, when QB1 talks, uh, everybody listens, and everybody's been talking about him, and he had some things to say on the Pat McAfee show today. So, uh, Dusty, if you don't mind, I think we'll just let Sarah take uh, take it away because you summed it up in like two sentences, right? Yeah, I want everyone who's seen Wolf of Wall Street to think about that one scene where he's like, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> the show goes on. That's basically what Aaron Rodgers did on the Pat McAfee show this week. Um, I thought it was hilarious because all morning, uh, Pat and the boys, as they like to say, were tweeting and they're like, we have no idea if it's Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. We don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be on. He, we literally have not heard from him or his people. And I guess one minute before... <laughs> they went live on the air. He, Pat McAfee got a text from Aaron Rodgers that, that just said, like, yo. And then Pat responded and said, you in? And he said, in. <laughs> but did he emphasize in? Yeah, how did he That's put, a real yeah, question. Yeah, put quotes around it. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, so. I don't know how long the typing bubbles were up. Um, <laughs> but, you yeah. know McAfee was sweating when that was, when he saw those bubbles going in. <laughs> yeah, basically Aaron Rodgers just got on there and said, a lot of people have been talking about me, um, not just the past couple of days, but for years. And here's the real story. Here's the truth. And I don't think I said anything differently than I have all year. And it, I'm, I just phrase it differently and people reacted to it. But he said he controls what he can control. And he believes his best 
you know, the thing that he can leverage the most when he's in, when he's having conversations and they're negotiating contracts and things like that is his level of play. And he just had his best season in years. Um, so I think he, he did that. And um, basically he said, I'm going to have the same conversation that I have, you know, with our team and with our organization every single year. Um, I don't expect it to be any different, except we'll talk about different things that my future might look like since it's a new year and we're heading into a new season. So that's pretty much all that happened. Um, I know he uh, dropped a quote, basically he thanked Pat and the boys for having him. And he said, they allowed him to silence all the D-bags out there who were talking for me, (laughs) making themselves relevant by using my name. So that, that set Twitter on fire. I mean, it was crazy. Like Steve said, when he talks, everybody listens. Yeah, I mean, it was just, like you said, watching Twitter erupt after that because that's all trade destinations. Aaron Rodgers wants to be traded. He's done with Green Bay after coming off a back-to-back NFC championship games. Yes, he wants to be traded. and <laughs> no. So it's just, it's you know, clickbait mania and everything like that. So glad that he came out and actually kind of you know said said exactly what he said so hopefully everybody will shut the hell up and uh, we can advance now to uh, talking about some of the off-season moves which the Packers have already started making so Packers have signed multiple people off of their practice squad I I don't know if this qualified as like a futures deal or just signed to the you know the the roster right now for next year but it's Reggie Bagleton uh Jake Hansen, the center kicker, JJ Molson, cornerback, Kivar, Kivare Russell, uh, Delante Scott, and Jawan Winfrey. So those were the six transactions that were made today by the Packers. Nothing too shocking there. Uh, we all knew, you know, Bagleton signed like a three year deal with them, so it's not shocking that they're staying there. Jake Hansen was one of their was one of their draft picks from last year, so that all kind of went down. Um, besides that, guys, I mean, we're a little light on news and notes, so that's why we did. We opted for the Packers mailbag, aka the Mega Bag. So we're going to ask. We asked you guys on Twitter for all of your questions, and uh, we're going to try to answer all of them if we can. Um, there's a couple that overlapped with with ones, and I think you're going to know who you are because they're. As Dusty said, multiple people that asked about Mike Pettin and should he be fired. So uh, we'll try to kind of combine those all into one, but let's get it going. Uh, first off, we have got from Brian. He wants to know if you're Matt LaFleur, are you keeping Mike Pettin? See, that was the first question we got out of the bag. <laughs> How many years would you restructure Aaron's contract to add, if any? And what's the most you would pay to keep Aaron Jones? So, Sarah, let's start with you. Are you keeping Mike Pettin, yes or no? No. Okay. (laughs) How many years would you restructure Aaron's contract for or move his guarantees around? I don't know. How – when does it end right now again? So, he's got three – I believe he's got three more years on this deal. And right now, basically, the easy out would be after this season. So basically, what from what I've from what I've gathered and read from everything is that he's looking to get more guarantees for more than just twenty one. He's looking for more guarantees into twenty twenty two, saying that he's part of the future for the team. 
Right. So I, I think I would add another year of guaranteed money onto that just because you saw that this year he was able to, one, not only play at a high level, but two, he was healthy the entire year. I mean, this was the first year, and he said this, that he wasn't on the injury report like at all. He never missed a practice. So he's obviously his body is in peak physical shape. Um, so I think I would add just like if I had to make a decision right now, I'd be like, let's add another year on and we'll see how it goes. I mean, because next year, I hope he continues to play at that level, but you never know. And how much money are you paying to keep Aaron Jones? Oh, gosh, all of it. <laughs> all of it. That's what I wish I could do. Hmm. What did he turn down again? Like. They said he turned down top five money, but that was not guaranteed money. That was, you know, the the weird NFL crap of like, oh, this is what you're getting paid per year, but we only guarantee you twelve dollars. I don't know. I really don't know what I would pay him. I think it depends on the cap and what happens there. Like, I can't. How much does like McCaffrey get a year? It's like fourteen, I think. Okay, 14 so or 15. sixteen million. It says sixteen. Okay. Yeah. So. How much would I pay Jones a year? Probably like 14, somewhere there. I mean, that's what he deserves, whether I want to do that or not, but we'll see. All right, Dusty, same question for you. Keeping Mike Pettin? <laughs> God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> how many years would you restructure Aaron's contract for or add, if any? Yeah, I mean, I think I think adding a year of, of guaranteed money for able to restructure that and, like, you know, the extend for a couple of years after that, but the guaranteed run for another year, like, that sounds about fine. He'll be, that'll run into, I think, his age 39 season. Like Sarah said, like, that, that still can then get you into the, if you do believe Jordan Love is your quarterback of the future, that does give you, like, another year with Love sitting underneath, which would... It, it, pretty much puts him on the Rodgers path, what Rodgers went through as well. Gives you a little more time evaluating, or if you know Rodgers is playing well and Love is looking good and say, maybe a preseason game. You guys remember preseason games. Uh, maybe as a trade chip or something like that. But I think, yeah, you can... Uh, yeah, I think another year sounds sounds about right to me. Because that's... Uh, I know anything after a 39 or 40 makes me a little queasy to lock up like this far in advance because you have no idea how that's going to work. But uh, yeah, another year guaranteed sounds fine to me. And how much money are you paying Aaron Jones? Less than Sarah, I think. Yeah, I mean, so much does depend on cap. I mean, if this is, if the Huber story we just talked about, if that's true and it stays steady or, you know, even goes up a little bit, like, that changes the math a lot. But even then, like, even then he's a running back. And even if we assume through this, let's say Jamal Williams is gone and A.J. Dillon is the back, and now you're doing a whole lot of, like, Jones-Dillon backfields, which which was good when they were out there, (laughs) I, I don't like paying big money for a running back. Like I love Jones, about eight or nine million a year, like max. I feel like, and even that, I feel a little feel a little high on. So I'm on board with both of you guys. I'm not bringing back Patton. I think it's it's at least time for a change. I'd want to keep somebody who who focuses on the three four, so you don't have to do a full on like roster rebuild on that side. But yeah, I, I think it, enough's enough. Um, it was improved the last half of the season, but it wasn't great. How many years would you restructure Rogers' contract? I'll, you know, I'll eat the money right now this year, so you know, pay it out immediately, so it goes as a bonus as opposed to salary cap, um, and then you know pushes it one year down the road. But I think that's as far as I'm willing to go right now. I do, I love Aaron Rodgers, but it's not worth hamstringing your your cap. And if they're going to be 
you know, like if Bill Huber's story is true and they're going to be pushing, they're going to not have bigger caps as much down the year to even this out, then even more so. Like, I don't think you'd want to go crazy as to as to doing Like, they've made tough choices with Brett Favre. They, it's going to come down to making tough decisions with Aaron Rodgers, too. It sucks to talk about, but it's absolutely the business side of it, and that's what happens during the offseason. That's when a lot of those business decisions get made. So I think one year would be something I would do, and I know this will shock you guys when I talk about Aaron Jones, but I'm not going to pay him. I'm absolutely letting him walk. He'll bring back most likely a third-round draft pick as a comp pick, and I'm going to pick a a scat back in the – in the draft in like the fifth or sixth round of somebody who's quick um, can catch the ball out of the backfield and then pair him with Jones or with Dylan and then see if we can get um, potentially Jamal Williams come back. So you go Dylan Williams and a rookie running back. And all of a sudden, like you've, you got, you've got those dimensions again, they're, they're in different orders because, you know, Aaron Jones was always like the top guy and the, he was as, as quick as lightning, but it, I mean, it pains me to say, but I, like you said, Dusty, I don't want to pay him. I don't want to pay him nine million dollars a year. I, I like. I don't want to pay a running back seven million dollars a year. You pay Christian McCaffrey sixteen million dollars a year, and then he's been hurt all year. So it's uh, you're, it's a bruising, bruising position, and yeah, it's just something I don't really feel comfortable paying that much money for. I don't. As it's much, one of those things where at this point, I don't know why anyone's a running back. Because that second contract is so hard to get. The body just takes yeah. such a beating. It's so hard to get to that point. Just if you can convert to a wide receiver, convert to a wide receiver, man. Like, I was going to say, if, you, if your coach is like, hey, you want to be a running back? You say no. Say, absolutely absolutely not. not. Why would I want to do that? <laughs> get my ass kicked for like an entire season and then no, no. Guy gets tackled like four times and makes $20 million a year at wide receiver. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay, we've got Jordan Walsh. Everyone is talking about who the Packers might lose in the offseason, but if you could add one NFL player from the Bears, Lions, or Vikings to the Packers roster in 2021, who would it be? And to qualify this, Jordan answered in somebody else's response um, and said this is a like basically a one-year deal. So this is 2021. You can add this person to the team, but after that, they're they're gone. So... Uh, Dusty, let's start with you. I mean, everyone knows what I focus on. My side of the ball the, is the offensive, the passing game specifically. And so this should surprise absolutely no one. I don't care if it's just for one year. I don't care. Like, the age doesn't matter to me at all. It's, it's Justin Jefferson. Like, if you watched him last year, what he did in Minnesota as a rookie, just absolutely ridiculous. It was one of those, like... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the offseason, well, he's not going to replace Stefan Diggs right away. Like, rookie wide receivers take a little bit to get up and running. And then he did what he did this past year and just absolutely mind-blowing. So pairing him with Adams and the ascendant Tanyan and, you know, maybe uh, maybe Sternberger turns into something and, you know, EQ and MVS kind of coming out a little bit. You throw Justin Jefferson in that mix with the Packers who were playing more 11 personnel, so more wide receivers on the field as the season went on, that'd be that'd be ridiculous. So, yeah, J- Justin Jefferson uh, – for, for one year, I would absolutely take. You take him over Allen Robinson? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I love Allen Robinson, but yeah, I'd take Justin Jefferson. The second part of his question was, what uh, one player from the NFL would you take? The entire NFL you're allowed to take. Uh, same answer every time it comes up. It's Aaron Donald. It's Aaron Donald. He answers a lot of questions up front. He's one of the best football players I've ever seen. Uh, it's Aaron Donald. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, well, to keep it short for NFL, Dusty stole mine. So I don't have <laughs> to answer that part. And he basically said it all. He's just insane. And like you said, Dusty, he answers so many of the questions that um, that the Packers have right now. As far as Bears, Lions, um, and Vikings in the NFC North, I think, you know, talking about Aaron Jones, yes, I'd love to re-sign him. And I stated my case for a fantasy world where everything's perfect and (laughs) um, all of our dreams can come true. But realistically, that's something that might not happen. So um, I went with Dalvin Cook. I think, you know, if you lose Jones, then you bring someone in that's obviously can perform just as much of a high level as he was. So uh, Dalvin Cook is definitely my pick there. Uh, for the NFL, I, I mean, obviously, Aaron Donald's amazing, and that would be an easy pick. The only other one just to have a different pick from you two would be Jalen Ramsey. Uh, if you can have Jair and Jalen Ramsey and just shut down the outsides, like that's that just makes everybody's life so much easier. So that would be my pick over there. And then for the NFC North, I think I'm like still debating. I still can't figure out which one I want more, but it would be either be Khalil Mack or Eddie Jackson. You know, pair Eddie Jackson back up with Adrian Amos when he did his best work. Then you can have Darnell Savage running around the middle of the field in the slot, do whatever he needs to, blitzing from there. Like that would be a, a, a just a, an amazing setup. And then if you think Khalil Mack, like 
my God, him, Z, Rashawn, Gary, throw Preston in there once in a while. Uh, but for the most part, he – no, come on. We'll put Preston back out in coverage. It'll work out really well. He did really uh, well when he was out there before, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, that I mean, that is, that's his strong suit is, in the, is out in coverage. So It's why you bring but, him in the building, honestly. So. <laughs> but, no, I mean, thinking about, like, Rashawn Gary and, and Khalil Mack on the outside, Z kind of doing that roaming thing in the middle where he's like, yeah, I could line up off a of guard. I could just attack the center. I'll do whatever I need to do. And that would be so amazing to see. Packer Backer wants to know, what does this team need to do to get to the Super Bowl? I'm assuming besides winning the NFC Championship game. So, uh, I said that before the show even started, so you were seriously going to just steal that? Yeah. Classy. It's classy, buddy. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's say one thing that you think the Packers need to do to get to the Super Bowl next year. I, I mean, I think – I don't know. Like – some of the offensive adjustments in game plan, I think, need to be a little stronger. I mean, I, I'm you're hearing a lot of stuff. I think we've got a question coming up about it as well about the the Packers' refusal to run the ball in the second half, and and some of that, some of that's explainable. Um, what's a little less explainable is the um, kind of just putting five men out of routes when they're when they're getting killed by backup left tackle and right tackle on the edges. And so some of that, like once you see what they're doing, I will say the floor, I thought did had a better plan going into this game than they did against in the week six kind of accounted for some of the things the Bucks did well, better, and they attacked them a little better. But as the game started unfolding, they saw the Bucks started taking advantage of those weaknesses. There weren't some of the, like the, the adjustments you'd kind of hope to see from that. And so, I mean, one of those is just, it, you know, we've talked about this before, before uh, the floor is still, you know, young second year as head coach, only as third, years as a play caller so some of those adjustments you know we're starting to we're seeing some of those he was better this year than he was the prior year and so just kind of getting better in some of the adjustment aspect of the game and and you know i think you know i could say a bunch of different things but that, that'd be my one i think is just just recognizing where your weaknesses are in game and being able to adjust to that because you know that the other team is going to be looking at that as well yeah that's definitely a good one i think for me it's just stop giving up garbage touchdowns at the end of the second half <laughs> and at the end of the game. Like I cannot stand that. Um, it, it, it seemed like it happened almost every single week. And that was really for me, like the dagger um, on Sunday was that play with one second left um, where the Bucks scored before halftime. I mean, yes, I know the Packers came back and made it a game, but that was absolutely ridiculous. And that should have never happened um, and that wasn't the first time. I mean, I know this was like the cherry on top. Like it was one second left in the NFC Championship game. But so many times in the last two minutes of the first half this year, we would see the Packers get scored on. And it was so annoying and it was so frustrating. And then we'd have to be like, well, thank God the offense gets the ball to start the second half. Good thing Tim Boyle won that coin toss. So... <laughs> It was just really frustrating, and it was always like then we had to catch up or then we had to score to extend the lead, and I don't know. That that just always bugged me. Um, so that was something I'd like to see the Packers improve on. Uh, mine is twofold. It will be answered again a little bit coming up, but fire the special teams coach <laughs> and draft a kick returner. That's it. Uh, somebody who can actually do – anything on a kick return would just be a, a welcome sight in green Bay. Like somebody dedicated to just that. It's been so long since the pack. Like 
Irvin came in last year, and if we remember last year, it was a it was a nightmare until Tyler Irvin came in, and then he had some good he had some good things going on. But this year has just been awful again. So, I mean, a young, cheap player who knows how to to read one one coming out of the the kick return and the punt return game like that's something I really think would would emphasize this Packers team because. All the times that the special team slips the – oh, actually, I take that back and get a new punter and get a new punter. That would be uh, my third option as to things to improve this Packers. Your, uh, your big board's looking nice, Steve. You got uh, – let's see, you got scat back, uh, kick returner, punter. I like this. Long snapper. You got long snapper in there too? Technically, the scat back could be a kick return, punter returner because I could I was, be one person. I was wondering about that, yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, people can do more than one thing, Dusty. Just we just the Packers don't like to draft. No, for that, I, so. I always hate though, like if it's I guess maybe third down back. I hate like putting a guy out there that has just like returned the kickoff and now okay, here you are on first down. Now you're part of the offense because you've just run a long way. Yeah, but I think preference. I think with the Packers' offense, like that's something that you can they can easily work in and throwing him a little bit into that that Irvin role of you know running across the seam like a. Doing that wide receiver, um, you know, wide receiver runner on there like that—that's something you can work them into a little bit. Okay, yeah. but to me, that's just me. That's just me. Apparently, you just like subpar uh, special teams play. So, no, legit curious, legit curious what your draft board looks like at this point, Steve. Oh yeah, I've got a big draft board right now, buddy. It's uh, it's up on my wall. I'm like Char- I'm like Charlie Day, just writing things on, and there's just strings all over the place, like. What are they going to do? They got they've got two fourth rounders. They got two fifth rounders. They got two sixth rounders. What are they going to do? Where are they going to move up? I don't know. I don't know. I will, I'll, I'll figure it out though. Chug a Mountain Dew. Smoking cigarettes. Yeah, All right. Peter wants to know. Obviously, there are big decisions ahead. But what offensive line combination do you feel best about going into twenty twenty one with? Lindsley back at center with Jenkins at guard. Or Jenkins at center and possibly Runyon uh, or someone else at guard. So, Sarah, is there a grouping that you prefer? I mean, ideally, I would like Lindsley to be there, but I don't think he's going to be back. Um, so, I think that the answer then becomes simple, and Jenkins would shift to center, and then you know possibly Runyon and someone else at guard. That would be my answer to that question. Yeah, I'm. I'm with her. I think. I think. I think. I mean, not exactly. I guess. I. I, I would hope Lindsay would be back because he's. I mean, lovely man. He was the Walter Payton uh, Man of the Year nominee for for the Green Bay Packers, uh, and you know, it played. I think his best season in Green Bay. He obviously, he missed a little with an injury, but it was just absolutely critical in the middle of that line, uh, especially with some guys getting injured this year. But I, it's it's tough to be able to see him back, and so I kind of assume he's going to be gone. I'm kind of thinking Jenkins, Jenkins at guard, running at guard, and maybe Patrick at center or something. Like Patrick has done well there. Like he's got certainly not a perfect player by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not also a total loss and he can do some good things there and i kind of we talked about this before like jenkins is a fine center i like him at center he's an absolute stud at guard and i think that's from what we've seen i think that's his best position i'd like to like to keep him there if at all possible yeah i'm pretty much on the same same board like i i the one thing i'm thinking is that if this uh, salary cap does come back up and is much more average to like where it is right now, then I think Lindsley has a real shot at be at coming back. I think nice. out of him or Jones or King, though out of those three, I think 
I think the Packers have seen enough of we need to protect Aaron Rodgers. We need the best five in front of him. And getting Bakhtiari back from injury, keeping Elton Jenkins in the same spot for a whole season would be awesome. Keeping Lindsley there, um, you know, and maybe you get enough from um, – from Runyon at, at the other guard position, Billy Turner. Yeah, there's plenty of options there, but um, if they can bring Lindsley back, I, I think that would be amazing. Otherwise, I think, Dusty, you're pretty spot on for me too, where it's put put Patrick at center because out of everybody, like the best pass rushers aren't going to be lining up over the center spot. They line up over the outside. They line up over the guards, and that's kind of where they do their dirty work. So I think that would be the best for me. Eric Rose – any of you three willing to try the New Orleans style all in to win with Aaron Rodgers? How big of a mortgage were you willing to sign up for? Uh, I mean, I think I can handle this. We we all said hell no. I mean, Dusty even said before, when his first question came up before we even started, he was like, um, they've been mortgaging the future for like 10 years, so – it's what they do, but this it's finally come to – the, the chickens have come to roost on this one, and uh, they're $90, 95000000 million over the cap, and I, they don't have a Super Bowl to show for it. So, no, I, I don't think any of us are willing to mortgage the future along those lines. Just, uh, you know, a move here and there to try to improve the offense, you know, see if you can find somebody on the cheap for – Maybe that uh, that kick returner, that wide receiver two, three. It'll be interesting to see if Devin Funches comes back into the mix this next year, or if he's a cap casualty. But no, all in like that. No, that's. Well, uh, I do think a lot of it too comes down to like how you feel about the team in its current state. Because if like last year, the way last year ended, where you go in that NFC Championship game, and it was you kind of go in and go, they've got a puncher's chance, but like I didn't really truly believe they were going to win that game against the Niners. Like the Niners were just better. Like we saw this year, we got the, the coaching and the way some of those guys have come up. You know, I don't know, MVS had a very good game, and he's not – you know, a he's never going to be like an amazing receiver, but he plays a role in the offense. They've got such a well-constructed offense. They've got all the pieces. Like you saw, like they should have, I believe they should have won the game this year and they're not far off. So it's kind of a mortgage the future. Realistically, if we're talking about that, like what does that even look like? Like what exactly are we doing that you think kind of, that, that we think kind of puts us over the top versus kind of the pieces they have in place? Is like, it seems like it's, you know, a piece or two here or there. It's not, it's not wholesale mortgaging. So that, I mean, I think that's, for me, that that kind of is a big piece of it as well. Is how far off do you think they are now? And they're not. I don't believe they are. Fair point. Next up, Sandro, our buddy from Germany. Uh, number one, what are the haters' excuses after we win the Super Bowl next season? Outstanding. And number two, would you buy a Packers jersey from a long snapper named Cheeseman, and why? Yes. So. Uh, he's he's very confident in the Packers winning the Super Bowl next year. Um, I can probably handle this one as well. I mean, excuses. There's, there's just going to be excuses nonstop. Like it's the Packers, it's Twitter. There's excuses and haters all over the place. So that's never going to stop. Even if uh, the Packers win by you know 21 points in the Super Bowl next year, I'm sure Skip Bayless will be talking about a missed throw that Rodgers had and how he should have had four to, to make it, you know, all that kind of crap. And as far as buying jerseys, yeah, I think I've kind of soured on buying the jerseys and things like that. I haven't bought one in a long time. And 
with the amount of ways that like players change and change teams and all that kind of stuff, I think I kind of the way I've I've done it with my baseball jersey as well is I I now only revert to if it's like their number one player like Aaron Rodgers, I'll get that jersey or you know to me like it was Ryan Braun for the Brewers and that came back and bit me in the ass so uh <laughs> yeah not really buying those so it's normally it's like the retired players and things like that of the all-time status that I'll, I'll go I don't know do you guys do jerseys anymore I do I mean a couple I bought like Kenny Clark I think in his second year because it was clear he was going to be around for a while like oh he's getting a second contract so I'll be able to wear this for a while I bought a Rogers one when the Green Bay Jersey store was going out of out of uh, out of business uh, just because he's Aaron Rodgers but yeah for the most part I'm with you if I think of like like baseball jersey like the baseball jerseys I have I'm a big Tigers guy I was like well who do I get who do I get and uh, a couple years ago I went with Lou Whitaker because you like the Whitaker is not going anywhere. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so yeah, I I tend to if I buy something. I mean, most of my jerseys, you know, I've got like a you know Don Hudson and I had a Reggie White one and stuff like that. Like it's it's guys who are you know they're they're, they're in the past. They're kind of classic players. But I'm with you. I don't I don't love spending you know a hundred hundred fifty bucks on a jersey for someone that's going to be there two years. Yeah, I, I personally don't buy them um, just because they're so expensive. But I was gifted a Devonte Adams jersey recently and that's one where like probably if I had to choose to buy one I would either buy a Devonte Adams or Aaron Rodgers jersey right now just because they feel like you know kind of guarantees that I don't want to say that but it just sure. it feels like a safe pick um but yeah I have a Devonte Adams jersey and then back in the day um when I was younger I don't even know if it fits me anymore I have I had a Jordy Nelson jersey and like I regardless like I think even though he didn't retire you know technically on the Packers that he's just an iconic Packers player so that jersey will always mean something in a way so I don't think it's bad I'm happy with both choices and same thing with Devontae Adams like one day if he is no longer a Green Bay Packer which I hope I never have to see that day <laughs> um, he, he's always going to be special to the organization and therefore special to me all right, next up, uh, Ama Diesel wants to know, help me understand the decision to throw like crazy after the two picks. Also, uh, was the no calls by the Bucks defense um, as bad as I thought they were? Why no help for Turner, uh, who was getting his lunch money stolen by JPP? Arg, okay, yeah, I'm still pissed. <laughs> Uh, Dusty, why don't you uh, handle this one primarily with uh, it's got some stuff about the the play breakdown. So help yeah, I mean, him feel better. Yeah, some of that. I mean, the the throw like crazy after the picks. I mean, some of that is. I mean, it's. I don't know. It's always to look at the numbers or look at to see like how many times they ran versus how many times they passed. And, and Rogers did have a lot of dropbacks. I mean, and they, you know, some of that was a product of you know they were they were down for a bit and the run game was not giving much. I mean, you know, traditionally, I mean the the run game. Uh, or traditionally, statistically, the run game is not as efficient as the pass game. I mean, you can you run, you run to open up the pass, or you can run to open up the pass, but you run to be varied. You can pick up yards there. I mean, it's not like you can't do anything in the run game. But if you average five yards a rush, you had a good game. And if you average six yards a pass, that's kind of that's kind of bad. So I mean, it's it. So that's that's part of it. And they were having some success in the pass game, and they're down. You know, what, what was that coming after? The second half, they're down what twenty eight ten, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so there's going to be they're going to be passing a little more. And some of that was just what the Bucks are giving up front, man. I mean, they had like it's not just 
You hear a lot. I know uh, the statistics community when you kind of when you measure things, a lot of times it's it's stack boxes is is kind of what they're looking at. How many times did a guy run into a stack box and what was the success rate? And generally, you're looking at you know seven or eight guys. How many guys were in the box that he ran against? So the the traditional thinking or thinking generally is is if you've got you know seven guys in the box, you pass. If you have you know five or six guys in the box, you run. But one some what that ignores a little bit of is kind of um, the angles and the alignment of that front as well. So not to get too deep into it, but what we've seen a lot this year, Packers were doing it, Bucks were doing it, we've seen Rams do it as well. You get five man fronts and then maybe like a linebacker. So you may be looking at a six man box. So by a number standpoint, you're saying you got a six man box. You 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 know you run into that. That's fine. But that five-man front kind of gives you one-on-one matchups with your offensive line, which kind of clogs gaps. There's there's fewer running lanes or stuff like that. So if you look at kind of what the Bucks were doing, a lot of that is kind of that that very kind of tight, maybe not heavy boxes. They did throw a lot of seven and eight-man boxes out there, which then they beg you to pass. But some of it too, it was just they had you know five men at the line and maybe one linebacker, so a five or six-man box. The numbers might say. You, you run into that, but when you've got that stack like that, the running game, and especially with, with how they were playing up front, and I know uh, Vea was playing better than I thought he was, um, or thought, thought that I thought he was going to come into that game, there weren't a ton of running lanes in there. And so, I mean, I think that's that decision goes into some of it. I mean, I, I do think, you know, especially with, and I think, you know, Jones going out, or when Jones went out, I think that changes it a little bit. I think they should have run with Dylan a little bit more, but it, that's, I mean, the front was playing well. So I think that, that certainly influences some of that. Um, um, no calls by the Bucks defense as bad as I thought they were. Like yes and no, right? I mean, there was the the interception. Um, it was it's kind of funny. So I wrote about uh, the concept that from that the that Rogers threw the interception off of that Wendell Lazard. <laughs> the all twenty two camera when the coaches film the camera is situated like on top of the stadium. Like you get a bird's eye view of the stadium. You can legit see the dir- the jersey pole from there. You can see Lazard's shoulder pad from that high angle from from as bad as that pole was. That should have been called. Uh, the, the other one on Lazard should have been called, but most of those like it's holds, but it's, and I just said, you can see from the camera, it is relatively subtle considering because you're pulling the shoulder pad. And a lot of times they'll let that go. The King one at the end, like, listen, I'm, I'm all about, if you're going to let him play, you let him play. I get that. But King's grabbing, the guy is running across the field and King has his Jersey from three yards back. You can see that shirt getting pulled out. Like, that flag's got to come out there. Now, it should have been called earlier, but it, when you're looking at those defensive holdings, you're like, okay, well, this was a tug on the inside of a jersey, and you don't know what the refs are positioned. Tug on the inside of a jersey when it's coming out of his break. That's tough. Like, you, you, it's not always, like, the easiest thing to see. But when you see a guy running free through the middle of the field, another guy trailing behind him holding his shirt, that's clear holding. So, I mean, I think they should have let it go if they let the other stuff go, and that sucks, but, like... They were letting them play until they weren't, and that sucks. But the optics of that one, with that shirt hanging out and King just holding on for dear life, that's a hold every single time, man. And it, and it really, really sucks. But uh, I don't know. I think they should have called it on the interception. But that's just me. And I was, was it? I was good with all that's like with all of the non calls, all the call, you know, like whatever. It is what it is. Like you said, if grabbing of a shoulder pad and stuff like that. But those are like just snap quick. That if you're not looking at it when it happens at that exact moment. That's a tough call to make, but when I saw Mike Evans giving fist bumps to the NF, to the refs in the game on the sidelines, like that was a that was a point where I was like, Whew. it was like like bad boys. I'm like sitting there like rubbing my ears, I'm like woosa, woo, like calm down, you're okay. Like this isn't a this isn't the fix isn't in. But uh, yeah, it, it was frustrating. But again, like th- that was that was the way they let the game go. 
they let him they let him play and i liked it it was a lot more fun than seeing nine million flags all over the field next up daniel wants to know uh what do you think is the most important task in the offseason the draft free agency or coaches what food helped you get over all the emotions from sunday he's and uh this is a fun one this is greetings from germany as well uh, so, you know, we're expanding our German uh, li- listening ship, if that's a word. Look at um, us. Yeah, I- I'm happy. So, uh, Sarah, let's start with you. What's the most important task this off season? This is a great question. And I'm going to go, I think, you know, obviously all three are important, but I'm going to go with the draft. Um, I think there's key pieces that the Packers need to fill. Um, and that they need to find. And I think this year in the draft, they have an opportunity to do that. Um, yes, it would be nice if there were some coaches changes like we talked about earlier, but I think the number one priority is filling some of those gaps. So I'm gonna go with the draft. Um, and then which food helped me get over all of my emotions from Sunday? Um, well, I I actually meal prepped like all day leading up to the game so that <laughs> after the game, I wouldn't have to cook anything. I would just have to heat it up. Um, so, but I just had like chicken. But before the game, I made a fat cheeseburger with bacon and onions. And that was absolutely amazing. And then I made like a pasta salad and all that. So I really was like feeling good before the game. And I think I just like kept thinking about that after. And then it was nice to not have to be like, oh, I have to make dinner now. And I just threw a chicken <laughs> in the microwave and the tears were there as I was eating. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty much it. But I, I've said it again and I, I will say it. A good burger can go a long way. So even though I ate it before, it provided me comfort throughout the afternoon. Yeah, I'm, uh, as far as most important task, I'm a Sarah's draft. We're, it's Green Bay, right? It's Green Bay. It's got to be the draft. That is the answer. So I, I think for multiple reasons, I think, um, you know, the big one is, again, we keep bringing it up, but the cap situation, we don't know. But if you're going to bring in some talent that can hopefully help you right away and also be cheap, the draft is the way to do it. So I'll go draft. I think coaches, you know, a lot's being made of Petten and, and Meninga, and I get it. And like we said, I don't think Petten should be back. I don't know. He there were there were some improvements by the end. So like if they if they nail the draft and for some reason Petten's still around, I feel like I can I feel like I can make my peace with that. Like I won't be happy, but if we're looking at at what they need to do to kind of really improve, I think draft seems like the big one. Um, as far as food, um, beer's a food, right? Sure. Beer. Um, I mean, we did we did buffalo chicken pizza, and that was uh, that was delightful. Buffalo chicken pizza and garlic knots. I had no complaints eating that after the game. So uh, I'll go with that. Yeah, I think we're all on board. Uh, the free, the uh, draft would be the most important thing, I think, as well. And I'm I'm hoping that they will add an impact player, a couple impact players within the first round or two, uh, as opposed to going full on for the future. So that would be my my hope. Where I'm not sitting and watching the watching the draft, and I've got a football press against my forehead, waiting for the pick, and then they announced the pick in the first, second, and third rounds, and I dropped the football and yell, what? what? What are we doing here? So, um, But I do think I think people will be pissed off that I do not believe the Packers will draft a wide receiver in the first round. I really don't. 
I think it's going to be defensive tackle or offensive tackle. So uh, that's my thought on that. And as far as food goes from Sunday, I actually had a great day as far as food goes. I uh, used my smoker for the first time, my new smoker, and did a whole chicken, a rack of ribs, um, some bacon-wrapped jalapenos. So I was eating like a champ. And then even before that, uh, before the game started, I threw on a couple of – like sausages and brats that I got at the store to to smoke those, and I had a bourbon cherry brat like brat, and it was amazing. Uh, so yeah, ate like champs the whole day. So it, it helped uh, it helped ease the pain at the end of the day, where I was eating ribs and chicken and brats and jalapenos and stuff. So it was a lot. It was a lot of fun uh, to do that. Next up, Aussie Packer fan. Guys, please make me feel better about this loss. Give me some hope for next year. What realistic changes do you foresee to the roster? Um, who will that walk? Any gains? So um, let's just keep it simple. Sarah, what's one thing that's that's got you positive for next year? What do you? What's a good thing going for the Packers next year? Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback. I like it. Dusty, what do you got? I'm going to stay on that side of the ball, too. Uh, Devontae Adams, I think, said today or yesterday, um, don't don't think I'm not going to be better next year uh, or something like that. I can't remember the exact quote. But, uh, maybe don't be surprised if I come back better. Yeah. Maybe you want to run through a brick wall. So uh, 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 Devontae Adams doing what he did, but a better version of that uh, potentially. Yeah, man. Just sign me up for that right now. Yeah, I mean, I can't really argue too much with anything else, but uh, Jair with two picks in the NFC Championship game and being like an ultimate lockdown corner, that's exactly what you want. I'm ex- I'm expecting them to figure out a way to get him extended uh, coming up next year or the year after that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, with him, Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary, uh, Chris Barnes, uh, Martin in the middle, like they've, they've got some really good pieces on that, young pieces on that defense, which is outstanding. Amos is playing outstanding. And it'll be interesting to see what they do on the other side for cornerbacks. But, I mean, overall, like, no, I, I, I'm digging what they're doing right now. So, all right, uh, Joe Kelly, would you rather get to move on? Uh, would you rather get to move on to a new defensive coordinator but lose Nathaniel Hackett and Getze or run it back with the whole gang? It's a great question. Sarah, what are you thinking? That's such a tough question. I don't think – I want to lose Hackett and Getze. So I think hopefully, you know, I'd, I'd stick around with the other coaches and maybe draft um, well in those areas and try to stick through it. But I think Hackett and Getze are too valuable to the, not only to, for what they bring to the table, but it seems like the guys that they work with love them. And I think that's really important. Um, so to take them out of the equation, I think would be, a mistake. Yeah, I I really don't want Petten there, man. But I must say, I think I think if Rogers hadn't been on McAfee this year and just talked about his deep, deep love of Nathaniel Hackett and hearing like the the whole Gold Zone thing, and then the hearing that come out of other guys, like like you said, like just the the amount of love Rogers has, and, and it seems like the entire offense of the ball has for Hackett. Like I. 
I would prefer not to lose him. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to say, I'm going to hope that whenever that meeting behind closed doors, when Zedaria Smith beat up Mike Patton or whatever, that that stuff took and it hold and it's carrying over into next year. And so we get this version of the defense that kind of was, was better in the second half of the season that we get that going forward. And then I think he pack it. I'm, I'm going to roll, roll with that. I think. And I'm going to manipulate question just to have a little bit of fun with it. And I will bring back the whole gang and then I'm going to fire Mike Patton in week two. And that'll give the defense enough time to adjust to whoever they bring in, a Jim Leonard or whoever that is. But it uh, gives them plenty of time. So uh, it gets me to keep the fun offensive guys and gets a new uh, potentially better scheme going on the defense. So uh, one more question we got from John Collins, which I really enjoyed. It was, if Jair covered Devante for an entire game with Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, who would – Get the better of that matchup. And if the three of you sat down for a Oreo eating contest, who would get the better of that matchup? So, Dusty, we'll start on your end. I think Devontae gets the better of it. I mean, I think it's it's kind of one of those that give and take stuff. But we saw not that you know we we saw what Devontae did to Ramsey. It's a and I think Jair, Jair is clearly a different kind of corner than Ramsey. He does have a little more of that quick twitch, and so where he was able to beat Ramsey off the line, I don't know that he gets that. I don't think. I mean, it's one of those. I don't think anyone really like wins wins i think there's it goes back and forth i think it's a really fun battle to watch also i think Devonte does just because him and rogers have that uh that really nice connection that they have and uh and adams is really really good and i think the rules favor the offense so i'm just i'm going adams by a hair but i think that that's a matchup it's a matchup i'd love to watch but also i don't want to watch because i don't want to see those guys going against each other um i think if we sat down for an Oreo rating contest i mean i'm just gonna say I think it's got to be either me or Sarah because we did go through the most stuff. We we, went, we took we took our lumps, Steve. We took our lumps. We ate the most stuff Oreos. Um, I think I win. I think I take it. I think I win. Oh. You didn't. You didn't go through. You didn't have to walk through the fire like we walked through the fire. Okay, yeah. but okay, I'll get there. I'll get there. First, I agree with you, Dusty. I think Devontae would win by hair for all of those reasons. But also, we have to think about, in practice, that's what happens every single week. Those two go up against each other. They talk about it. They they play against the best, so that's why they are the best at what they do. And clearly, Devontae Adams is the player, you know, partly why he is the player that he is is because he goes up against Jarrier Alexander in practice. And I think, you know, with that... He would have the one up, like you said, just a teeny bit. And with the Rodgers connection, we saw it with Jalen Ramsey. Obviously, he's a tremendous football player. But when two guys have that connection like that, and Adams has the release that he does, and he's able to, when he does that little hop step off the line, I don't care how good you are. It's over. That little hop step, he gets you, it's done. So um, I'm going to agree with you on that one. I'm going to drastically disagree with you <laughs> on the second half of that question about the Oreo eating contest. I think Steve would win because if he can Woo! eat all of the pizza things <laughs> all day long and survive one and then be there with us to do a podcast at the end of it all, I think he he has the guts to do it. So <laughs> The literal guts. Literally the yeah, guts to do it. Literally. But, yeah, I'm like, if he survived Andy's diet, I think the most stuffed diet would be, I mean, it would be tough, but he's been through adversity before. 
So. Well, yeah, wouldn't have to be the most stuff Oreos as a competition, but I don't, I don't really have much else to add. I mean, I think you guys broke down Devonte Jair. Like, I thought that was a great question. You guys broke it down perfectly. Um, most likely ends up like a wash kind of in the middle where Devonte would get a couple, Jair would get a couple breakups. It would kind of go right in the middle. Um, and for me, like, I think it would like Dusty and I would, uh, would you know, we're, we're, we're that old not fat but you know the bigger dudes like we're not we're not skinny either like that's fair yeah. right yeah. yeah oh oh no so, absolutely <laughs> so i think we would we would be able to take that 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 level but i think the the fun thing that we could do is if we ever won this competition and we actually want to do it instead of you know like the drinking game from when you were in college from the power hour of you know one shot of beer every minute for one hour i went to a i went to a small christian college um so I don't know that game. I do not know that game. Wow. Yeah, I'm okay. sorry. That's true. Neither of you went to school in Wisconsin, so <laughs> I guess that's not super shocking. <laughs> However, I the only time I ever played it was when I was living in Ireland. Uh, but either way, uh, you know, one cookie every like five minutes until you tap out. It sounds disgusting, and I'm in. Okay, I'm in too. I, I'll do it. That'd be fun. <laughs> remind me of that one meme where it's like i'm sickened but curious <laughs> <laughs> that's like that uh oh god i don't even know what that uh that that commercial or not commercial but that that cartoon is but it's like you son of a bitch that's uh then, rick, rick and morty right yeah that's it i've never seen it but uh, i've seen the meme so all right uh we've got one last question and it is from me actually so i thought it would be kind of fun to compare the green bay packers season 2020 season to a tv show or a movie so uh in your head what to, what was that sarah so i just recently watched the undoing on hbo max um so spoiler alert if you want to watch the show i'm about to ruin the ending so please <laughs> skip past this part. um so the show is like a, a who whodunit like murder mystery it's a short series six part obviously like that theme is not like what i'm correlating with the season it's just like where the show started and then where it ended um so it just like it ended up being like the number one murder suspect basically who all of the evidence like was against him and he was i mean he was a horrible person like in addition to that there was just a lot of other things that happened so like again none of this is related to the packers but the end like there were twists twists where you're like oh it might be someone else but it was just always like it's gonna end that way like there's no way he's not it and yeah and then at the end they're just it's a very intense ending but they're like yeah he did it and i was like really like <laughs> we found out that out in episode one like if i would have known that i wouldn't have watched the show and i really enjoyed the show until the very end a lot of people like the ending personally i didn't that's just my opinion but the way i'm relating this to the packer season is we went through this whole season it was exciting there were twists and turns and then at the end they lose in the NFC Championship again, and I'm like, really? Same place where we started. Like, <laughs> we <lost laughs> in the same game. So that's really how I felt. Obviously, the subject matter and everything does not correlate, but it was just like that roller coaster of emotions where I got, like, I'm like, oh, maybe? No, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, nope, just ended the same way, like, like exactly what I thought because of last year. So I'm going to go with that. 
I'm gonna go. I'm taking it back a little bit. Also gonna spoil this, but it's you know, eh, you know, it's not really spoiling it because it's so long ago. I'm gonna go with dinosaurs. If you're familiar with the show Dinosaurs, ran for four seasons between '91 and '94 about adorable little family of animatronic dinosaurs. And as I found out while I was looking at this, the 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 wife, the mother wife slash mother dinosaur was uh, was voiced by Jessica Walter, who played Lucille Booth on Arrested Development. So that's fun. Had a little dinosaur baby. He's like not the mama, and he beats people over the head. Just a cute little family show. Whatever. Had some ups and downs, you know, kind of goes through its four-year run. And, you know, funny. It's a good little jolly time. And then it ends with an asteroid hitting the Earth. <laughs> the asteroid is coming down to kill anyone and everyone on the dinosaur family that you spent four years having a, just a grand old time with. So I don't need to make the comparison. I feel like that speaks for itself. Yeah, that's uh, that was one of my favorite shows. And I think I, I kind of blacked out the whole thing about uh, the the comets coming in asteroids coming in to kill them at the end because you mean you asked me and you're like do you remember how it ends and i was like oh was it the comet was it comets and all of a sudden you're like it all comes flashing back you're like oh god they killed off everybody that's right no that's a both are great examples i went with dexter just because i mean for the most part this the the whole series was amazing It, it was great it kept you you know you're cheering for for this guy and um all of a sudden every once in a while there's one or two dips or you know like a couple episodes that were off and you're like really this is what we're doing here and then came back stronger and you're like okay no i'm back i'm like i'm hooked this is amazing and you get in that final season that last game and it just took a huge dump and the show was just just ended so poorly. I'm very uh, on a side note. I'm very excited to see what they do with this little um, rebirth of the show, uh, where where Dexter's still alive and he's got some new friends he's meeting. So that's going to be exciting. But I mean, to me, it was just the perfect way for uh, the perfect comparison because the, the show just ended on such a horrible note and was just it was received so poorly by all the fans that it was exactly like the Packers and their NFC championship game just just received poorly by the fans all over the place so well that will do it for all of our uh, fan questions thank you to everybody again for submitting it's always a lot of fun to know the things that you guys want to talk about so appreciate the questions on Twitter again at Dusty Evely at Sarah Kelher for at Steve Perhatch at Packaday Podcast um, so thank you for those again, and we're going to do some final thoughts. So, Sarah, what do you got for me? Yeah, just a thank you to you guys for sticking with us through the season. Um, I know for me, this was obviously 2020 was a weird and challenging year, and being able to meet once a week like this, so even virtually, like we, I mean, we always met virtually, but just, you know, to hop on here and talk about Packers and laugh and smile about it, um, was great and knowing that you guys were listening throughout the season and interacting and always sending in um questions made it all the better so thank you guys and thank you for all of you that or to all of you that followed along um with my cheesehead tv recaps so now i'll be taking a little break from writing um after hours because i write all day for work anyways but um <laughs> so it'll be just nice to take a little break from that and just kind of enjoy doing the podcast uh, once a week and yeah it's just it's just been nice um and definitely um an outlet for stress and just worries um and i hope that you know through a tough season that or tough time during the season you know we were able to bring some joy and laughter to 
your home, to your car, wherever you're listening. Yeah, I echo a lot of that stuff Sarah said. I mean, it's it's really fun Packer season, really weird year overall. Um, you know, I, I I've not been uh, into the office. I've been working from home. I've been in the office since since like last February, I feel like, and so I am on some video calls at work. But you know, for the most part, this is uh, this is my chance to kind of kind of talk to to you guys, and it's uh it's amazing. You know, talk to you guys. We get to talk football, and for some reason, people feel like listening to that. And I think that's I still just think that's it's mind blowing and amazing that people tune in to hear us kind of chat about football. So uh, thank you for following us through an entire year of football. Uh, so this has been just a blast for us. Um, I've got my writing stuff for this week, a piece at Packer Report yesterday on the Mills concept, today on that savage pressure that led to Jair's uh, second interception, and then she said today about uh, kind of, you know, a handful of passing concepts. I dig into one of my favorite concepts from the year that all go halfback seam, and they ran it uh, a way that they'd run it only once or twice all season. Um, that was the, the complete up to MVS up the right sideline there. That's one of my favorite ways they run it. So I get to break some of that stuff down, and then I'm with Sarah. I mean, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Probably taking a little break from writing. Um, you know, at some point I'll come back and do something during the off season, but take a little break collect myself figure out what we're doing from here but uh yeah just on on all levels i mean it didn't end the way we wanted it to but on all levels just a really really fun season and uh and again just just I mean, we've been doing this together the three of us what two years now i guess so i mean it's mm-hmm. great doing another season with you guys and uh you know next year we'll next year we'll get the super bowl i guess but uh yeah just just really fun and thank you for everyone for listening yeah, we got a, we've had a lot of fun doing this entire season. We've been uh, through the ups and downs, wins, losses, stupid prop bets, me eating crazy just amounts of pizza, salt, soda, like all that kind of awful stuff. So it was a, an unbelievable fun time, and we, we love talking Packers stuff with you. So we are now approaching the time of creating content. So this is going to be a fun off season for us. And both faces just cringed as I said that on the video. So I will tell you, if you guys have ideas, we would love to hear them. It does not have to be the day before the show. It'll give us a little time to, uh, to plan ahead. So feel free there. Our DMS are open for that kind of stuff to to shoot us ideas. Um, I know I've, I've talked about wanting to do a, a uniform episode and I, I will say, well, I'll commit to doing that before the draft happens <laughs> and i'm gonna put it on these two to actually be on this show with me and talk about it but i'm gonna i'll do a lot of the research obviously beforehand dusty is also cringing again when i said mm-hmm. that so or or maybe maybe we'll have a little fun maybe we'll have a little twitter competition and i can have this uh this podcast with a listener as opposed to these two jamokes so uh that could be kind of fun too so uh bring a listener on with the three of us too. I think that would be really fun and like get to know yeah. someone and ask them questions and get their thoughts about the Packers and what changes uh, they'd like to see. I love it. That sounds like a lot of fun. So yeah, we'll have a lot of fun, different content uh, throughout the time. Um, you know, we'll still be bringing an episode a day for pack a day podcast through all the teams. So uh, make sure you guys are tuning in, downloading, you know, subscribing, Five-star likes are always awesome. But, uh, yeah, we'll have a lot of fun stuff planned for this offseason. Uh, we'll try to get try to get a little crazy and have a little fun with you guys. So um, thank you again for listening. Uh, we will talk to you next week. And as always, Go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.